Coming up on Transformers University, it is Christmas in July. As we head back to the UK for one last time in 1986 to discuss their Christmas issue and the 1986 UK annual, which features one of the most important stories in Transformers history, right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 86 of Transformers University 86, talking about 1986, and in this episode, we are going to head to the UK one last time in 1986 to cover Marvel UK issue number 93, aka the Christmas issue, and the 1986 Marvel UK Transformers annual, which features, if I haven't said it enough, <laughs> one of the most important stories in Transformers history, one that I did not read until sitting down to research this podcast, uh, and it is a good one, and we'll get to it as we go. And since it's Christmas in July here on Transformers University, we are going to just jump right into this issue, issue number 93, Marvel UK. It is the Christmas issue. It was published in the UK, uh, story-wise, in between issues uh, 22 and 23 in the United States. So right after the Stunticons were introduced and right before the Battle Chargers show up to vandalize the Statue of Liberty. Uh, the cover has Galvatron about to shoot a Christmas tree saying, I'll be back. Yep, just like, just like a Terminator. Speaking of which, if you haven't caught the Full Force podcast and their review of... Transformers vs. Terminator. I am on that episode, uh, along with Chris, the host of that show, and you've heard him here on Transformers University, uh, breaking down the first issue, and I believe, and Chris and I are working out a plan to talk about the second issue real soon. Now, this cover was drawn by Robin Smith, and the weird thing here is that Galvatron is not in this issue. Uh, the intro page, entitled Transformation, is... Uh, Got those words covered in snow, plus Autobot and Decepticon logos wrapped up like Christmas presents is actually kind of neat. And the title of this issue is called The Gift, written by James Hill, who we last heard back when we talked about the 1985 Christmas issue, Christmas Breaker. And you can hear about that episode all the way back in episode 29, where we covered the 1985 Christmas issue along with the 1985 annual. Pencils here by Martin Griffiths. Uh, and this is his first work. He would go on to uh, pencil Doctor Who and Marvel UK's Thundercats comic. Inks by Tim Perkins. Letters by Robin Riggs, who won a job with Marvel via the Marvel trial book. He actually won the lettering prize and ended up mainly as an inker with runs on The Incredible Hulk and X-Men titles. Uh, in 2008, he was on the IDW published miniseries called Sir Apropos of Nothing, written by Peter David. Colors with a U by Stephen White. Uh, he would go on to be an editor and colorist with a U on Action Force, which is G.I. Joe overseas. Uh, eventually became the writer and editor of that book and would go on to work in comics for a long time. Uh, he'd also be the editor on Titan Books's version of uh, Transformers movie comics in 2008, and we'll get to those one day. Edits here by Ian Rimmer. Now, this issue starts with Buster studying at home, and he's studying hard for a test tomorrow, the day after Christmas. Man, 
I don't remember ever going back to school the day after Christmas. I don't know about you. But uh, he gets interrupted by Jetfire, who is looking for advice. Jetfire gets made fun of by the other Autobots because, well, he was built on Earth. And he feels he's had poor judgment uh, in the battles recently versus Galvatron. He then goes on to recount a mission where the Decepticons attacked a NASA facility. Prowl, Trailbreaker, and Jetfire were sent to stop Dirge, Kickback, and Soundwave. Uh, the Decepticons were attempting to basically commandeer Radio Dish and contact Cybertron. Jetfire tried to shoot Kickback, despite Prowl telling him not to Kickback, then shrank, and Jetfire missed. Dirge then goes on to pummel Trailbreaker. The Decepticons flee inside of Dirge, and Prowl is not happy. Now, as he's telling the story, Jetfire gets all emo, bangs his head against the Witwicky side of the house, then cut to another flashback, this time Jazz and Jetfire supervising a shipment at a Blackrock facility. Bombshell and Thrust attack and take everyone by surprise. The facility is on fire. Uh, Jetfire punches Thrust, shoots Bombshell, and then gets a water tower to throw on the facility and saves the day. Now, he feels he knows how to react whenever humans are in danger, but not when fellow Autobots are in danger. Buster comforts him, telling him, quote, you're the first of a generation of Terran Transformers. Buster tells him to be proud of that. Jetfire takes it to heart, and that is the end. Uh, I find it interesting that we use the word generation here because that's an important word in Transformers later on. Um, so that makes him like Generation 1.5. <laughs> uh, we also have a Robo Capers comic in this uh, issue. Uh, they're not always related to Transformers, but this one is. And uh, it's a cute one of kids playing with Galvatron and Ultra Magnus for Christmas. And they're playing all the way up until dinner. Uh, and then the Galvatron and Ultra Magnus kind of growls to each other that they're glad the kids stopped playing. And that basically wraps up the Christmas issue. It's fun. I really like that the UK books take a pause and do like a holiday kind of story. Emo Jetfire for me doesn't really work, but... Uh, uh, I appreciate the effort. Now that takes us to the bulk of this episode, and that is the 1986 annual. And if you weren't part of episode 29, the annuals in the UK are just that, published once a year, but feature a whole bunch of one-off stories, some text with art and some uh, short comic stories, plus a whole bunch of other neat little features. Um, they're really cool. I'm surprised, you know, I'm sorry they never really came to the U.S. Uh, as part of Marvel U.S.'s run because these are really, really neat stuff. And so we'll, we'll go through everything in order. And uh, this one features a cover art by Barry Kitson. And it's very similar to the famous uh, Panini sticker album cover that we talked about a few episodes back. The inside cover is a gatefold poster of the Dinobots by John Higgins. And that was available back in UK number 28. The first story we have here is a text story called In the Beginning. And it is written by Simon Furman. It is about a human hacker named Adam Reynolds who accidentally hacks a Decepticon computer while dialing the wrong number with his modem. Because that's how computers worked in the 80s. It recaps most of the Marvel UK run up to this point. Now, it's uh, weirdly written uh, because despite it being a Decepticon computer that is hacked into, the retelling is pretty much told from a neutral point of view. There's a lot of reused art from various bits of the UK comic, and within the story, Adam accidentally sets off Decepticon security, which is set to send a 1 million volt charge 
through the phone line and into his computer. There's a countdown throughout the story, and when it finally goes off, Adam is fortunately saved by his cat. Now, within the story, it also mentions some data file entries, which we'll get to later in this book because they appear later within the text. But it takes us to our first comic story, and that is called To a Power Unknown. This one is written by Ian Menel, who is a writer for various UK comics with art by Wilf Prigmore. That is a heck of a first name. Wilf, I don't know what the W stands for. And he worked in UK girls comics in the 70s and 80s, co-created a book called Misty, which was a mix of mystery and horror that ran for two years and eventually became a book called Tammy and Misty, which also ran for another four years. Art here by Will Simpson, <laughs> colors with a U by Josie Fermin, letters by Annie Halfacree Half a Scroll, and edits by Sheila Crana. Now, the story and the art here, uh, for my tastes, are a bit all over the place, and it starts with Optimus, and he is in Britain carrying a bunch of Autobots in his trailer. Now, they left the United States to investigate a weird happening. Uh, foregoing all stealth, they decided to hang with humans in a small town called Pineswoodville. And no, there is no such place in America called Pineswoodville. I can't believe they stuck us at Taxachusetts. The Autobots suddenly reverse personality to evil. Um, so basically, it's like shattered glass comes alive real quick and then eventually goes away. They attack these humans and each other. Um, Prowl fights another Prowl, like it's 2004, and uh, elsewhere the Decepticons are busy trashing a town. They suddenly feel bad and start fixing things. The Decepticons, they also head to the UK to investigate, and in the story Starscream and his friends are referred to as a sweep squad. Now, the MacGuffin in this story is a weapon system known as PARD. P-A-R-D, Purnell's Auto-Reverse Defense System. Uh, has nothing to do with your Walkman, Professor Purnell and his assistant, Zeke Heilman. Yes, that is Zeke Heilman, deliberately meant to sound like Zeke Heilman, have designed a system to reverse computer directions, sending missiles, presumably nuclear missiles, nuclear vessels, back to their point of origin. It shouldn't work yet because it is not properly programmed. Eventually, the Autobots and Decepticons converge, and the Decepticons are about to attack when Pard is tested again. And Starscream and the Jets decide to sing a little bit of Give Peace a Chance. No, literally, they actually quoted the lyrics. Prime drives over Jazz and Mirage, and uh, at the weapons test, Zeke Heilman is about to steal the plans. The Autobots disperse, and then Starscream closes in on Optimus and aborts his attack because he is malfunctioning. Zeke Heilman gets caught. Turns out the weapons test was just a test by Professor Purnell to lure him out. Jazz and Starscream converge on this base as Zeke Heilman escapes. He hops a ride in Starscream with the Pard Core. Hardcore man, Pardcore. He hops a ride inside of Starscream with the Pardcore, and Jazz fires a heat-seeking missile at Starscream. Starscream tries his hyperblast, quote-unquote, to get away, but it malfunctions, and he accidentally transforms. He ejects Zeke Heilman, and the missile hits Zeke Heilman and destroys him and the core. 
everyone flees for repairs, and that is the end. And so, Jazz kills a Nazi, destroys the MacGuffin, and everyone goes back to the United States. Um, this story is really strange. Um, it doesn't really fit continuity-wise anywhere, uh, but it does kind of exist on its own. And this takes us to the next part of the book, which is the data file on Optimus Prime. Now, this is very similar to his Transformers Universe entry, which we covered two episodes ago, uh, and explains some history from the Marvel UK comics, including that he was inaugurated uh, first cycle, 820, and these uh, dating schemes would be used by uh, comics author James Roberts much later on, but these are first appear in this annual. Uh, we find out he was going to train as a medical officer, which kind of explains uh, from the Transformers Universe entry that uh, he w had the uh, disposition of a doctor. It says nothing in here about Abraham Lincoln, by the way. And they did fix the typo of what he could lift from uh, 4,000 pounds uh, to 400,000 pounds. And that takes us to the next tech story in this book, which is called The Return of the Transformers by James Hill. Now, this is a sequel to one of the tech stories from the 1985 hour from the 1985 annual, which we covered back in episode 29. That story was called Missing in Action. Now, at the end of that story, Inferno had rescued a boy from a bank that was being robbed, and I think it was on fire. And this story follows that boy, Danny Phillips, after being rescued from the bank. Danny's mom is uh, concerned about him and plans a getaway with him because Danny has become obsessed with the Transformers. He thinks that they are all peaceful and just misunderstood. Uh, their existence is still just a rumor, but he's kept this scrapbook of newspaper articles that seem to be leading towards them being real. At the Ark, Optimus has a mission for Jetfire. He wants them to test the Aerialbots as a team. He wants Jetfire to undermine their decisions and force internal conflict within the Aerialbots. This is really, really bizarre. Uh... Danny sneaks into a power station near his hotel because he's bored. He stumbles upon a Decepticon raid, which includes imprisoned power plant workers by... Story on the Jets! Meanwhile, uh, Jetfire and the Aerialbots are off to the plant, and Jetfire is being a jerk. Uh, he is no longer emo Jetfire, he is now jerky Jetfire. And at the uh, plant, Danny is captured when jerky jetfire and the aerial bots arrive uh battle ensues energon cubes get hit jetfire orders Fireflight to get danny to safety we find out that Fireflight is a terrible flyer uh and the aerial bots then escape as the plant explodes they all head to the beach except for jetfire and silverbolt and they decide the two of them, Jetfire and Silverbolt, to go after Starscream. And of course, Starscream is flying higher, and Jetfire is pushing Silverbolt, who is afraid of heights, to fly even higher. Eventually, Jetfire gets shot down. Silverbolt orders the Aerobots to form Superion. Superion then throws Starscream into the hotel. This upsets Danny because of all the fighting. Starscream escapes as Danny is yelling at Superion, and then Superion leaves to find Jetfire. Danny becomes disillusioned, throws away his scrapbook into the sea, and Jetfire reports back to Optimus Prime regarding the flaws and strengths of the Aerialbots. 
Now, this is a particularly bleak, <laughs> really bleak story. And I think the TF wiki nails the vibe of this thing. And I'm just going to read that to you right now. This is one of the bleakest Transformers stories ever published. The aerial bots resent one another's weaknesses. Jetfire is forced to play the bad guy to the new guys. The only Autobots who don't already consider him a renegade Decepticon. And Danny's lionization of and search for the Transformers, with eventual disappointment, realization, and rejection, is couched entirely in terms of evoking Danny's relationship to an absent, never-mentioned father. In the end, Jetfire fails to see the truth, and so the Aerobots are left to suffer in silence, while Danny does see the truth and is forced to accept that there is no meaning in suffering. It simply is. Yeah, that's pretty deep for a Transformers story. And this is not the important story I was talking about, oddly enough. We'll get to that one real soon. But first, in this book, we have the Transformers 3-Play Quiz. And this is a fun quiz, and I got a perfect score. Perfect! Each question has three parts. Each part is worth uh, subsequently more points. First 10 points, then 20 points, then 30 points. And you can only do part three if you got either the first or second question correct. After that in the book is the data file on Megatron. Uh, it mentions he founded the Decepticons, first cycle, uh, 549. And it notes he co-founded the Decepticons with Shockwave and Soundwave. And this is an important note, especially as we learn a little bit more about Shockwave's origin in our next story. Which is the important, super important story. I wrote my notes, super important, super important story called State Games. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. Now, I mentioned state games, super important because it tells the first origin of Megatron, one that would go on to be reused many times particularly in the IDW Transformers comics. And this one is written by James Hill with art by John Dillard. Stokes. Right, right. Stokes. Stokes. And this one, once again, is mainly a text story with some art on the side. And uh, it starts out with Megatron's origin as a gladiator uh, and retells the story of him beating the crap out of Sunstreaker. It also establishes the cities of Tarn and Voss. Uh, we find out that Tarn is overseen by an Autobot overlord, 
not an Autobot named Overlord, but he is titled Overlord and uh, doesn't really explain much other than that. He has two bodyguards, uh, two cat-like creatures named Nightstalker, who you have not seen before, and Ravage. Uh, the Overlord is the last of his kind, and it explains how the long lifespan of Transformers has led to their energy crisis. So simply put, because the Cybertronians don't die that quickly, they are overpopulated. Three, two. They are overpopulated and thus facing this energy crisis. Now, we also find out that Shockwave is the military commander of Tarn and Starscream is a, a figurehead for the controlling dictators of Voss. Now, Tarn is the host city for the games. Uh, think of it as kind of like uh, an Olympics. Uh, back at the arena, Megatron is called to stop in his beating of Sunstreaker by a participant in the games from Iacon by the name of Optimus Prime. These two, Megatron and Optimus Prime, they have a fight. They duke it out. And this is kind of contradictory to the last annual where after Prime is anointed leader of the Autobots that they battle for the first time. But Overlord calls for them to stop, wants them to stop embarrassing themselves and their home cities. And Ravage notices that this is going to be a pivotal moment for Cybertron. Elsewhere, three members of the Voss team are infiltrating a Tarn power plant. Among them is a robot by the name of Tornado. We saw him in Marvel UK number 15 in a flashback about the games. And Tornado and company, they're planning one thing. Now this plan is to pit Tarn and Iacon against one another so Voss could swoop in and destroy both cities and take over. The Voss saboteurs get caught by an engineer inside of the power station and he radios to security before Tornado dispatches of him. The saboteurs escape and they blow the plant. But the plan doesn't work as expected. Tarn declares war on Voss. Refugees from both sides flee to Iacon. In Iacon, Emirate Zaron wants a peacekeeping force sent to the border. General Trakon does not. He thinks it may be good for Iacon to let the war continue and play out. In Tarn, Megatron offers to get Optimus Prime and the Overlord safely to Iacon. Though the only way there is on foot through the combat zone. It's a slow journey and the Overlord is aging and needs constant refueling. They reach the final expressway to Iacon, and Megatron tries to ditch his party as Overlord refuels. The expressway bridge breaks, and Prime catches Megatron and saves his life. They really need to find another route, but the Overlord won't survive the trip going a different direction. Prime leaps over the expressway gap and decides to go get help from Iacon and return, while the rest of the party waits. Just then, a small band of Tarn soldiers attacks the group, melting Nightstalker's missile launcher. Megatron grabs a fusion cannon from a nearby corpse and blasts the soldiers. This is the origin of Megatron finding his fusion cannon. Uh, the group is now trapped between forces and the expressway. As they fight, Megatron tries to court Ravage to flee with him. 
Night Stalker doesn't want to leave the Overlord as he is his bodyguard and is overtaken by enemy troops and thus self-destructs to destroy a large number of enemies along with himself. The battle is over and the Overlord, still alive, asks for Megatron to share some of his energy. Megatron declines and so does his other bodyguard, Ravage, saying he is aligning himself with Cybertron's future ruler. In other words, Ravage is abandoning the Overlord for Megatron, and the Overlord dies. Later, we find out that Voss and Tarn have destroyed one another with something that's essentially nuclear missiles. Now say nuclear vessels. No. We end on Megatron giving a speech to survivors and refugees from both sides, blaming Iacon for not stopping the war. He plays up false rumors that Iacon actually started the war, and the Decepticons are born. The end. And that is State Games. And really, it is a well-written, well-thought piece. It's something that adds to the lore. It defines cities and places. It gives us Night Stalker, who will eventually become a toy in the Japanese Encore line. He actually just showed up recently in Transformers Earth Wars game. And it is just such such a rich story. And it was so cool getting to read this for the first time. Like I've said since I've started this show, part of me doing the show is to go out and be able to enjoy all the stories that I've never really experienced. And this is one of them. I'm so glad I read it. And I'm so glad you took this ride here with me as we get to the next part of this annual. Now, the next comic in this book is called Victory. Victory. And no, it's not the 1989 Japanese Transformers TV series that we'll talk about in a future episode. It is a short comic strip written by Simon Furman with art by Jeff Sr., Letters by Annie, half a Cree, half a scrawl. Colors with a U by Gina Hart. And edits by Sheila Krana. This story follows the Dinobots in a dream state as they are in stasis being repaired. Now, there's not a lot of story here, but there is a lot of really cool, violent artwork. And this story basically just takes place inside the minds of the Dinobots while they're being repaired. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it. There's really not a lot to tell here. We just kind of find out that they're being repaired. That's essentially the story. And, you know, in this story, Grimlock dreams of being the leader of the Autobots. Sludge remembers the girl he is in love with. Uh, So, you know, there's all all different bits of things that were already covered on this show and in the UK comics kind of peppered in there and kind of catch you up on what they were doing before they were shut down. But in a podcast format, I can't really do it justice other than tell you the art is really cool. Now, the next story in here is called The Mission, and it is a text story by James Delano. Uh, the art in the story is kind of unknown because it's not mentioned, and I can't seem to find listing of it anywhere. Now, James Delano most notably wrote for DC's Hellblazer, uh, the book featuring John Constantine from 1988 to 1991. And this story is actually kind of interesting and unique. It features jazz traveling north, to rescue Hoist, who's been spying on the Constructicons and has sent out a distress signal. They detail Jazz's journey uh, being shipped north uh, to Hoist, who is stuck in a snow crevasse. And uh, one of the things here is that we never hear about how the 
Autobots travel such long distances. And there's no land bridge, ground bridge, space bridge. There's no other thing than Jazz basically being shut down and put in a shipping crate until he gets to his destination and then has to drive to find Hoist. Uh, he eventually rescues Hoist, but the Constructicons uh, see Jazz and Hoist as they're being rescued and fleeing, and Jazz gets shot in the head, and he is ultimately brain damaged for the rest of the story, and Hoist must then get uh, a mentally deficient Jazz to safety while being hunted by the Constructicons and is ultimately Devastator. In the end, Hoist has to blow up a dam. What do I say? There's always a dam. Uh, and the water then sweeps the Constructicons away and Jazz and Hoist get swept to safety. And it's a neat little story. It's both dark and very funny. Uh, there's a scene where Jazz can juggle. Who knew Jazz can juggle? And that is the mission. Finally, at the end of this book, there is a who's who diagram of both the Autobots and Decepticons. Uh, it's a neat visual representation of how the teams kind of sort themselves out. It's almost like a visual version of what I do on the By the Numbers episodes. And that wraps up the 1986 annual. And that pretty much wraps up this episode too. But stick around because I'm going to tell you a little bit about next episode. And it is not one you're going to want to miss. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts, plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. All right, so coming up on the next episode of Transformers University, we are leaving Europe probably for the rest of 1986. There's only a handful of episodes left in 1986. We are officially done with comics for 86 but we are not done with toys. We are going to head down to South America to talk toy lines in South America during 1986. And there is a lot of weird, cool, and interesting stuff coming out of multiple countries in South America. It's stuff that is highly sought after these days uh, and super rare. And so it's going to be fun to talk about these. I'm really excited. And I hope you join me for episode 87 of Transformers University. But that is the end of episode 86 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Till next time, see ya.